Hello and welcome to the Ghibli Rewatch series of the Overly Animated Podcast, where we'll be going through every Studio Ghibli movie chronologically from the beginning. I'm Dylan Heisen, and today I'm joined by Michelle Ander. Hello. And Allie Martin. Hi. Join us in rewatching or watching for the first time all the Studio Ghibli movies now available for streaming for the first time on HBO Max in the United States and Netflix in most of the rest of the world. We'll have new podcasts every Wednesday as we go through the whole Ghibli, Ghibli catalog chronologically. Find all of our contact information and everything about us at OverlyAnimated.com. I'm a Ghibli expert joined by Coast with a variety of Ghibli experience. Today we are up to From Up on Poppy Hill. Um, excited to get into this movie, uh, full spoilers for From Up on Poppy Hill, and only minor spoilers for the rest of the Ghibli catalog. We'll be discussing both the subs and the dubs, but primarily the subs. Watch whichever you prefer, that's fine, for listening to this podcast. Okay, From Up on Poppy Hill, I'm excited to talk about this one, one of my favorites. Uh, this is 2011, this is Goro Miyazaki's next film, we talked about Tales from Earthsea before. Um, at the beginning of that podcast, we uh, more extensively detailed the relationship between Goro and his dad, Hayao Miyazaki, and uh, they had a very strained relationship, um, especially during the production of Earthsea, and, you know, still do, but they did collaborate for this movie. They were talking for From Up on Poppy Hill. Hayao wrote the screenplay along with Keiko Niwa for this film, and then Goro directed um, this is based on the 1980 manga of the same name from Up on Papio, which is pretty random because uh, <laughs> this is 30 years later, um, by uh, Chizuru Takahashi and Tetsuro Samaya. Um, Poppy Hill is set in 1963 Yokohama, Japan. Um, this movie was a success in Japan and uh, decently successful worldwide and was fairly well received. Um, although not necessarily thought of as one of the great Ghibli movies, so we'll see if we agree with that. Um, let's uh, get your history with From Up on Poppy Hill and what you think of the movie. Michelle. Uh, so I've only seen this one once before, and I remember just being very pleasantly surprised because all I knew was that it was Goro's second movie, <laughs> and I was I was a little scared because I had no context. Um, but I watched it and I loved it, and then I just like never picked it up again. I think just because like it it helps to know a lot of background about Goro and Hayo and just like th- this movie just feels like it was like kind of at least a little better for their relationship and i mean it's it's a really slice of life like in a way it kind of feels like it has a little bit of a whisper of the heart vibe in moments but it's definitely its own movie with its own like themes and messages and Oh man, I mean, uh, without giving spoilers away, like it, it does like kind of take an unexpected turn, but then you it can, like culminates in a way that's like nice still. I mean, I just like, I don't know, I like I, wasn't shipping them until it became incest. <laughs> and then I was like, oh my what? god, the most that? forbidden ship. All right, let's oh, go. The forbidden love makes it better. Okay. I was like, ah, I guess it's fine. Wish All right. <laughs> Okay, already a hot take from Michelle. (laughs) It's a fun, nice movie, though. I do love the fact that it focuses so much on, like, the clubhouse at the school. I am, like, such a person for school shenanigans, so I love that the majority of the movie kind of, like, focuses on that. And the other half focuses on, like, the boarding house with, like, all those wonderful ladies in different ages of life. And that was a nice surprise, too. So, yeah, I I think this is a solid movie. I understand if people are saying, like, they don't consider it one of the greats, but like, 
not everything has to be fantastical. I think this is like maybe a little more subdued than Whisper, but I feel like it's just as good as Whisper in a lot of ways. It's just like a different movie, but it's not like, I don't know. <laughs> I would say it's like even less ambitious. I think it's just like, it's got maybe like a couple messages going on and Whisper is like more straightforwardly like one thing. Hmm, interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, I think you you brought bring up the right comparison with Whisper of the Heart as the probably two most romance centric Ghibli films. So we will. Oh, that's you. I didn't. That didn't occur to me, but that is true. They are like the two most. I mean, like, isn't Howl pretty romance centric? Like, yeah, that's that would be one of the the more yeah. at least for Miyazaki. That's one of his more shippy movies. But oh, for um, sure, that is, that is the peak. Still, ultimately, ultimately a fantasy movie. This I would describe this as a romance drama. You know, so and I would. Oh yeah, for sure. Describe any other anything else other than Whisper probably is that. Um, uh, Allie, what is your history with Poppy Hill? What do you think of the movie? Honestly, I don't remember the first time I watched it, but the second time it was like in college in our international club where we had to like pick a movie from each country and somebody picked this movie and I only really remembered the incest part and the fact that like all the girls <laughs> from Japan watching with us were like, yeah, oh my God, so, like and I was like, please kill me now. But then I watched it again yesterday and I loved this movie. It's so good. Like I really forgot how much I enjoyed it until I rewatched it and like I didn't start shipping it until I mean obviously before the incest stuff happened I hate it we're gonna get into that but like I the I, I'm like a sucker for drama pieces especially if there's not not drama pieces um period pieces especially if there's like a romance drama involved in it and it's like in the background of stuff going on politically um I don't know it was it's very fun but also like really frustrating like in the midway section obviously because of the reveal that like the incest parts yeah spoilers turns out to not because that's what it is but then i'm like you know it was conflicting because like i want to ship it but now i'm not doing game of thrones and then at the end you're like oh okay so you can ship it but like it's i mean it's a good payoff because they don't like you know force it down your throats like they're gonna kiss once they realize they're not related but i thought it was handled really well um, I had no idea about like the background between um, Hayao and his son in terms of like making this movie and like the strain on the relationship. But I think he he makes um, romance excel where Miyazaki has failed to, in my opinion. So it was done. Pretty well. yeah. Oh boy! Well, at least the Goro side of that, I agree with. Okay, I was going to talk about that in my opening thoughts too. So that's a nice, uh, a nice take. Uh, yeah, I, I've always loved Poppy Hill. Watched it after it came out. For some, I mean, not for some reason. I'll explain why. But yeah, this is one of my favorite. This is one of my favorite movies. Like this and Whisper the Heart. For some reason, are like the two random Ghibli films that I have watched the most times. Um, and uh, yeah, I've seen this movie a bunch. I watched it again, and it was just such a joy to watch this movie again. Um, the uh, I love the the romance at the center. I ship it right from the beginning, right from the time he jumps in the pool and she reaches yeah, her hand oh out. Oh my gosh, that was the most whisper moment because like it was. when she gets mad at him and she huffs off, like that was such that's, a yeah, whisper. That's, that is, yeah, that's like, true. Like, I was like, why did you energy. go over in the first place? Like I know, like it's because they're to help they him, just have such an a, such an attraction. They're they're yeah, just compelled it. to each other. It makes sense. It's perfect. Okay, and yeah, so I, I, it's it's really like um, this uh, the the romance is. I'm someone who 
particularly loves romance stories and like romance driven narrative, which isn't taken seriously a lot of times by, uh, by like serious movies like a a Ghibli studio. But I think this movie is like a perfect example of like what you can do with a romance, uh, centered narrative. Like I think it really, uh, excels at it. Um, big element to this movie is the soundtrack. Um, this is my, Number one favorite movie soundtrack all of all time. Yes, um, Dylan. I've listened, oh, like, I've listened to this so many, so many times, especially like around when it came out, but I like, like t- tens, hundreds, like, I mean, like, for some reason, this is like the number one soundtrack for me. Um, for some, the songs they use are gold. Well, like it's the, inc- it is really good. Um, and, and a big component. Like, you like this more than any Joe Hisaishi, like, uh, yeah, I'm not saying ever. it is, uh, better. I do, like I said on the Spirited That's Away podcast, I believe that is the best soundtrack, the Spirited Away, but personally, my favorite would be this one. This is the one I've listened to more times, even than the Spirited Away soundtrack. Um, and a big part of that is how it plays into the, the fact this is a period piece set in the 60s, yes. uh, that's like one of the best parts of the movie is how engrossing it is into this um, alternate uh, time and uh, this this alternate. And I think it's like incredible artistically, the music, and I do think the narrative plays into it really well in capturing that. Um, um here's my hot take umi and shun are the best ghibli ship number one uh, ghibli ship yeah. and i'm not talking about the giant boat that they go to at the end which says ghibli on. <laughs> um <laughs> that's awful i just noticed that when i watched it yesterday and i almost screamed there's a few of those there we usually don't comment on it because it's like okay sure it says ghibli that's fine it's right there in your face <laughs> this is one of the most plain ones yeah i mean like look i'm whisperer my number one favorite movie and that romance is incredible but like this is even more of like i, I believe the big difference for me between whisper and, and this movie this movie is very much romance focused whereas whisper's number one priority is shizuku as a character like mm. that's more of a character driven like uh for her and this movie does have a lot of shun's perspective as well so like i do think it's like primarily about their relationship in a way maybe whispers little that's maybe more of a secondary element so that's why i'd say like they're maybe the best ghibli ship and in terms of like goro like uh, on the uh earth sea pod i said um the ship the the, the main couple in, in earth sea is the strongest oh. narrative element of that movie so i think this is a a specialty of goro i agree with ali about that like i think he's pretty good at romance if you look at these two movies it makes wow. me want to watch that one now and also just <laughs> has other ones. Yeah, if you watch Ertzi and you focus on the the main relationship, I would uh, I think it's a better experience. Um, I don't I a better experience, but it's still not a great one. I think you well, could you know listen you really to, we can so listen long. to that though. We don't need to rehash so much This is a be- this is a better this is a better movie than Ertzi. This is an impressive yeah. second uh, film for, for Goro. And no, th- and there's there's this that's it for him. Just these two, except there is his third film is coming out in December of we're recording this in twenty twenty. And that's the uh the first Ghibli film in a while would be Goro's uh, third film, which we're very excited for. Um, the uh, uh, and and the only other comment I had was like, I think like basically every Ghibli movie, I think the first thirty minutes setting the stage for the film are the most magical parts of this movie. Um, however, I think this movie, whereas maybe some other, I've commented on several times for some other movies we've talked about, maybe lose me in the third act. I think this movie's, uh, the narrative and the drama of the third act. And uh, I think it plays really well into the setup from the beginning. Like, I feel like it really works for me, all of it. Um, the, the romance location, the time period, like, I think it, uh, it pays off that setup. Um, even if it goes in a potentially unexpected direction, which uh, it's got to be unexpected. It's your first time watching the movie. It's like, oh, we're we're related. Wow. It's like, uh, didn't, <laughs> didn't know that's what we're going with this. So, I really, I couldn't get past that through my first watch. Even after it's resolved, I was like, that was a trip. 
Yeah, we're going to talk about it. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we could talk about that first as the, the first topic. <laughs> we have get to, into. I think. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, in general, the romance of, um, Umi and Shun, um, which, uh, I, I, I just love how the first 30 minutes displays this, like, just quiet, sweet romance and, and such an incredible display of falling in love, like Umi. Yeah. Um, I was, I was pretty in awe of that, this, this viewing of just how, uh, kind of like s- slow and, and emotive and, uh, like you, you really get into to all, everything she's feeling and it's very believable with, with what she's going through with Shun. Um, and, uh, then we get into this drama of them being potentially siblings. Um, and, uh, the iconic quote from the movie comes from Umi, who just, they do not know that they are not siblings yet. And Umi says, I'm <laughs> oh, in love. This is the iconic moment. Oh, no. I, the yeah. iconic quote. I'm in love with you, Shun. Even if we're related, even if you're my brother, my feelings will never change. <sighs> and he says, same, bro. Same. Yeah, yeah he, says same, same. Bro. he says, same, bro. Yeah. So, uh, that's, that's, I think, a interesting part of how this movie, I mean, look, a lot of anime stories, for some reason, are fascinated in uh, potential incest love stories. Because <laughs> they um, want the forbidden love. It's a kind of forbidden love. You would think that this would make them more into, like, LGBT relationships, but no. Yeah, incest only. Think that. Japan, I think, yeah, point. once Japan can maybe get over that cultural hump, we, like, we might be come on, like, this is, stories. like, not as bad somehow as just being queer. Like, that's a really good point, <laughs> I draw That's the line at queer, but I accept incest. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I th- what this movie does a lot, a lot of those types of stories, I feel like in animes, they do what this movie does. Like, oh, and we're not actually related. There's a reveal. Like, we're not, so they can be in love. They're not actually related. But I think the interesting part of of this movie is they commit to it despite that. Like, because we have this moment where Umi says, uh, "I'm in love with you," even if we're like, like her feel, like she c- commits to the feelings without knowing that they're not related yet. Um, so it kind of like does both things. Honestly, the incest thing, like I don't, I very much dislike saying the word incest so much (laughs) on this podcast, but the, (laughs) even before the reveal, I kind of like, wasn't that upset about it just because I feel like this like ancient nineties anime marmalade boy, which is not a good anime, but there's a million episodes in the kind of, sorry, spoilers for marmalade boy. (laughs) But at the end, they basically find out that they're half siblings and, they decide to stay together and they basically like when they tell their friends, they're like, well, you can't like have a family. And you're like, well, yeah, but like we talked about that and that's fine. And they just kind of like let it, they just leave it like that in these kind of like sure terms. So like, I would have assumed that even if they were blood, they just like, yeah, they just like, maybe they'd adopt children. Mm, like they didn't yeah. grow up together. Like it kind of makes sense that maybe they would be attracted to each other because like they didn't, like no up until their teens and that's like a very different kind of situation right um yeah i don't think yeah honestly even if they were like blood like maybe it wouldn't be too bad yeah okay i think that's fair i think that's as much as we need to get into the morality of of this i do think like i think uh yeah i it's i don't like i don't think we need to spend time kind of debating that different people have different perspectives on that i think uh the 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 point of a lot of people find this squicky because people grow up together that does not apply to these two exactly like that's essentially what i'm saying Um, it's like it's not like they had a normal family relationship they didn't know each other at all uh, yeah but regardless i think the important point is it's a a social taboo 
Um, so it's like in, in the face of this social taboo, they uh, do, do their, which I guess is what they're going for. Their uh, feelings persevere <laughs> through that. God. Um, yeah, you're not feeling it, out. <laughs> I want to enjoy it, but it's just it, weird when you don't know that they're not related. I really, it, it just is like two Game of Thrones reminiscent for me, I think. Yeah. Honestly, like I even sort of took like her her like, proclaiming this not in terms of like her saying I want to like be in a relationship or I want to marry you, but yeah. just like look like I know you've been like keeping away from me, I know you've been ignoring me. I want you to know this is how I feel and even if like, you know, we can't change this and we can't be together, like I'm laying it out there just to have emotional like comfort in that like we've at least said it out loud before yeah, it goes fair. away forever. I kind of just felt like she needed to get it off her chest more than they were gonna like date. Yeah, yeah. It's there a, was that, no way. It's a good point. Yeah. She was just she was just saying like these are my feelings and I just yeah. want to be true to my feelings and exactly. ra- rather than like let's yeah let's can't relate. She wanted closure. That's all. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, yeah, after the the period of um, him like ignoring her, um, yeah. that also pissed me off. I was like, why don't yeah, you just you know, just tell her like she's gonna be so confused. Like this, this is not. And they're like, I get it, but like Typical you gotta tell her. High school, man. It's kind of an awkward yeah. thing to say. It is no, exactly. I get it. It's like, <laughs> awkward, it's like the alternative is to ignore her forever, and like you yeah, don't well, want to behave. He, he comes around pretty quickly, you know. But I do think I think it's probably a realistic period of that sort of like not being able to address it, but also like feeling like you can't. Uh, you can't move forward with the feelings so uh yeah yeah i, I, I don't i don't think shun comes across super unsympathetically after that no i know for sure yeah. he's yeah. struggling with a lot too like yeah, yeah. 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 we, we, we learn his uh, his, his backstory which is very tragic like his his family's story which is yeah. an interesting thing we'll talk about but and yeah and then at the end they they meet with a random guy from the photo and he's like nope you're, you're not related no i honestly like that was one of the emotional high points for me yeah. i i was yeah. shocked how much like that flashback sequence when the three men are taking the photo like really got to me and how they're mm-hmm. joking about like oh you can't die first all right we'll same goes for you it's like they understand the realities of being a young person like enlisted in the military during a war and they're trying to like you know form these friendships and be important to each other but they understand that they could all die any minute and it's just like wow it was like surprisingly poignant to me yeah, I, I think so. I think like this. Yeah, if you describe it like I described it, it's like why is this isn't going to be such an emotional thing? But it really is the climax of the film, and uh, you have the the gorgeous shots of like kind of them starting to cry, each of the the guy and the two of them. Um, <laughs> the guy. And, I mean, he says such a sweet thing to them. He's like, "Thank you both for coming. Yeah. Like seeing both of you, it's kind of like seeing my old friends again. Like this is the happiest I've ever been." And it's like, "Oh my god!" Like I know he's a stranger, but like he sounded so sincere, and it's like it, it was such a like. I'm sure both of their dads would have been happy they were there to meet him too. And it's just like a weirdly satisfying culmination for the movie. I think so, too. And we don't get much after that. They just uh, start sailing away together. I think you get the implication that they'll explore their feelings for each other. Yeah, the dad winks at shit. He's like, shit it. I love love that they're not in a rush. Like, and they just, like, end on her, like, just, like, feeling at peace or at least, like, positive for the future. And that's all we need. We didn't need them to smooch or anything. Yeah, I think it works better without them doing that, honestly. And, like, it's part of why in my second rewatch where everyone was, like, pissed off that they didn't kiss. Like, all the Japanese girls were like, what? I was like, no, leave it be. It's yeah. perfect. 
I mean, I think they, they like they could have kissed on the boat. I don't think it changes that much. But the, I feel like the important thing is the uh, the ending with the flags. So we can talk about the flags. That's like kind of the uh, the uh, the centerpiece of the the movie. Like the frame the frame of the framing of the movie It's like she puts these flags out for her dead dad, um, and he he kind of sees it, writes this poem for her. I also like how the poem is kind of addressed in the beginning and then brought back at the end. I think that's uh, done very well. Um, and the uh, at the end she raises the flags and um, he like I think honks at her from the the boat. So despite mm-hmm. like she can't see him from the, the where she where she's at with the flag, she like they, there's someone in her her life now to fill the yeah. the gap of that either but yeah. i know so that was that like, stuff i'm not as excited about because i remember really early on her i her believe grandma. grandmother yeah. she says like oh like i hope you can meet someone so you can stop having to be so responsible and doing and all like this. get over your dead dad like really I mean, grandma what husbando's not gonna make her get husbando. over her dead dad i mean it those are separate grandma. things those are husbando. separate people <laughs> Oh my god! I guess, it but is, that is kind of like how it feels at the end. It's like, like Dylan's saying, it's like, yeah, she finally has like uh, a ship person that a she could, sh- she, she can put the flags that's, up. That's for how you would describe a romantic. And partner. those feelings have now transferred from doing it in honor of her dad to like, yeah, her her boyfriend, which is like fine, but also a little like. Mm, Okay. It's the 60s, so you have to let it slide, but it does. It's I don't have to let it slide. We can talk about it uh, in terms of that. Yeah, they, presumably they become ship people for each other at the end. So, you know, ship people. He is for on a ship, people. so I think they are literally ship people. The term, I, I think, is. Them. This the is the we're looking for is sailors, guys. No, the, I don't think so. I, this is the ultimate. <laughs> this is the ultimate shipping movie because there's <laughs> so a ship at its center and there's many ships in the ocean and they, they go on ships you. at various points. After this um, is over, <laughs> oh, after it's, it's over, open. that's good. Um, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, we. I, I am eager to talk about the six. Let's talk about the sixties part of this um, because that play, we have the discussion on the gender roles. You guys hit on one of the main uh, gender rolesy parts of the film, which is what the grandma says to her, and that kind of concept, which I'll respond to. But generally, the fact that this is this movie is set in um, nineteen sixty three. Um, and in, in Yokohama, which I, I, I don't think there's a previous Ghibli film set in Yokohama, which I think is really interesting. Um, and, uh, they do go to Tokyo, which is a, just a, such striking uh, locations, each of them seeing sixties, uh, Yokohama and Tokyo. Um, I think it's a big part of, of like the, the success of the film. Um, the, uh, I guess let's, I have a few quotes about the, the time period. Let's bring in this one first by, by Danny Cavallero from her book, Hayao Miyazaki's World Picture. She says, Goro's subsequent achievement from Up on Papiel bears witness to the young director's talent with both, uh, vibrancy and assurance. The special atmosphere conjured up by the movie throughout its vivacious unfolding is a corollary or a corollary of its director's approach to the portrayal of the setting. Goro's depiction of 1963 Yokohama eschews photorealism, opting instead for a keenly stylized naturalism redolent of Japanese ink painting and lacquer art at their finest. The director did not feel obliged to deliver a factual account of any identifiable events by posing as something of a documentarist documentarist with a supposedly unbiased camera in his hand. Goro's aesthetic decision results in the uh, evocation of an alternate reality pregnant with magical undertones despite the story's overall realism. Thus, as Kenneth Turn points out, even though the fantastical element elements present in Miyazaki's films are absent from uh, from Up on Poppy Hill, the father's ability to transport us to other worlds is very much echoed in his son's work. Um, so I think this is a point that I saw 
in my reading up on this film is this is not intended to be a realistic depiction of 60s Japan. They didn't approach oh, really? it like uh, they didn't approach it by like let's look at old photos, we can draw over that, you know, like uh it's it's more of a uh vague pres- representation of what it might be look like. He was more interested mm. in creating this like uh tra- transcendent uh experience into this other time period. Um, it makes sense. I mean they didn't like I mean, really- question question for that though does that apply to like the setting the like clothes the buildings the cars the technology does that also extend to like socially because i oh, mean yeah, it stuff. seems a little yeah i'm just curious is that like does that apply to everything equally or is that intended more for like visual stuff than like relationship and social yeah, stuff I, I believe the intent of what i read was about visually yes um, okay Okay. But I, I will say about, I think 60s gender roles are a, we can get into this, I'll go back to the setting, but they are present in this film. And I believe this movie is pretty subdued with its presentation of old fashioned kind of gender roles. Like I think compared to a lot of, my my kind of commentary on the gender role stuff is, I want to compare this to something like a Mad Men, um, which is, I feel like a lot, mm-hmm. most things said in the 60s approach this as like, here's blatant sexism and racism. And like, this is the realities of the time period. And there's probably a place for that type of thing, like realistically displaying the past. But this movie, um, it's, it's, the, there's like the gen, more rigid genderals are present, but we're not like, uh, seeing sexism all over the place. This isn't the, like, uh, it's, it's more just like, here's the context of the time period Umi is living in. And I kind of like it's like not heavy handed approach to, um, kind of the realities of, of uh, sexism in the past. Um, no, and I, yeah, oh, go, ahead. go ahead. I was gonna say, like, well, I also think it's like it's not really fair to compare it to something like Mad Men, because like that's like a very American kind of sensibility of sexism, right? And this is Japan, and it could manifest relatively differently there in the same time period. And I wonder, I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, there there were only like certain things I know. Like, there are so many decisions that made me really happy. Like, they had that woman who, like, is a working woman who lives at the boarding house. The other one who's an artist the grandma um and then the one who like wants to get married but like she's not there yet so she's just like having a fun time with her girls like i love that and the mom variety. is a doctor yeah oh yeah Every, everyone at the board and says she wants the... to be a doctor when she's mm-hmm. older which is really nice but then you have like the school stuff where it's just like are girls not allowed to be in any clubs here right, or are so, they just yeah. not allowed in the clubhouse clubs it's a little that's what confused me because i remember i mean even just like history wise about japan after the second world war like women started like you said like looking for doctor jobs and like trying to just be more in society because you know it was more allowed back then but like seeing there not being a lot of girls at the clubs or even like because i know in japan like sometimes like for sports if there's a girl sport guys will like be managers like quote unquote and like get them water and stuff and vice versa so i was like where is that in this movie Mm-hmm. So it, it, I, do, I do think the clubhouse, the Latin corridor, uh, where we only see uh, boys in it, uh, is uh, one of the more generalizing aspect. And then we see all the women coming to clean. Um, but, you know, that, mean, the boys do help, which is nice. But, but like, yeah, yeah, right. So I was going to say, like, the, the, that's kind of what I think about this movie not being super heavy handed with the sexism is like then and then you just see everyone cleaning together. And I think that's really nice. Um, you know, like uh, it's it's like it's kind of portraying the realities, but also not like uh, diving so much into that just because that's not the story of what's being told. But um, yeah, I think the it's it's we don't really know. I think the, the Latin Quarter certainly does only seem to have boys in it. We don't know if girls are in clubs, uh, just not in that clubhouse um but it does seem like 
the clubs seem to mostly be a boys thing. Uh, at least that's the impression you're given. Yeah. 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 I think like the boys are the ones in the clubs. And then I was, I was surprised at like when Umi and her younger sister go initially, it's not like the boys see them like girls in our club. Like they don't really care that much, but it also is just like, they're literally the only people in skirts, like walking around in this like three to four story building. Um, but yeah, it, it does become more integrated. And I'd like to think maybe like some of the girls will like stick around like from the cleaning mm. squad and like help out in some of the clubs. Cause it seems like the boys would be happy to have them. It's just like, for whatever reason, it's just like not normal. So most people don't try to do it. Yeah. Right. It's, it's the, so mm. yeah, the social expectation versus more of it being a, a rigid uh, rule. Um, yeah. Cause like they, they let Umi like write mm-hmm. for the paper and that was like, no one cared. It's just like, she wouldn't have thought to do that if they didn't ask her, I feel like. And then they give her all the credit in the end for like, which is very nice. Yeah. Suggesting the, well, it's kind of, I like that, but I was like, you did like if it wasn't for you suggesting that we'd clean up i was like is that really like they're gonna make this a typical female thing like girls know to clean up and guys are always nasty and i was like whatever yeah i think i i saw that as representative of umi in certain ways being portrayed by the film as a feminist maverick figure with her like introducing girls into the club like she's uh, yeah definitely like 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 it's 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 through the the through the context of she's bringing them to clean up but it's more of this like opening up this this door that wasn't there and she she kind of like is uh is the one to think of to to do that and to set kind of this hopeful change for the school into motion mm. um which is but yeah i mean I, I and yeah i think it's it's both that and also it's like oh here are the 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 girls know how to clean like it, it's kind of both things um yeah which is interesting I, which you know I, I feel like there does need to be some element of that in a movie set in the 60s or else it would be like where you know what everything's fine like uh <laughs> that, that'd be weird um no sexism yeah no sexism uh yeah but uh you know i think that's certainly not what they're they're portraying like the because there are some realities of this let's talk about what the grandma says yeah because the flags thing i think you can view this two ways grandma says like uh you i hope you can find a boyfriend to fill the hole that your father left basically um <laughs> that's how it yeah, that's how that you take it in 2020 it yeah. that's basically what she says and uh i feel like that's a realistic thing that grandma would say even now oh yeah <laughs> even oh, now. Uh, yeah so uh i think it checks out um and and the ending does portray that i don't view like i view it as um Umi just finding someone whereas she had this like emotional trauma in the past with her family and uh, I don't think like she views it as like filling a, a, a filling a hole her father left but it's it's like this kind of sweet thing as she was she was leaving the flags out for someone who's not coming back and now she's able to move on and leave the flags out for someone who is here with her um, yeah I, I do like that I I like I don't know like I I do think that he shouldn't ended up helping her with her emotional trauma. Um, but I think it's not for the reasons that like grandma was going to assume it's like, it's not the fact that he just exists and likes her and she likes him. It's because he helped her dive into her past and get some closure with her dad in a way that they can like uniquely share with each other. And so mm-hmm. they both like have this closure about their, their father, father's plural, and that's yeah, like yeah. A, a miraculous thing that came out of it. But I feel like that speaks more to like them as people than like them as like boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, potentially being paired off. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, it's about mm-hmm. their bond as people. I knew that's yeah. a totally good description. They're moving past both of their family traumas mm-hmm. together, working through it together, which is such a wonderful thing. And it makes it, it feels reminiscent for me of what Go- the romance Goro portrays in Earthsea, where they're uh, sharing this uh, this intimacy with each other. And uh, like they're sharing each of like, their names with each other, I guess, spoilers. But like, uh, like I, I feel like that, that seems to be a romance theme for me of this Goro's. He's like people sharing things with each other and working through things together. Which Listen, shared really- trauma is a really good trope. I think it's I wonderful. Mean, yeah. yeah. I, I think I think he's really tapped into I mean it's like it takes place in different forms, but I think what Goro's tapped into with romance is is very emotionally resonant um in, in both these films, especially this film. Um yeah, and in t- in terms of the the feminism portrayed by the film, we talked about the boarding house, which I we could explain because to me it's not I, you know, I've watched this movie like five plus times. It's never obvious to me what this boarding house is. I don't know if you guys agree or not, but because uh, it's confusing because their family lives there and then also other random people live there. Um, and it's like, who's the family? Yeah, we assume the they, they're like paying rent, right? Yeah, they're yeah. paying rent. So it's like, so the little boy and her younger sister or her siblings and everyone else is boarding except for grandma. That's... Uh- that's yes, what I yes. thought. So I, yeah. I think, yeah, I think the, the grandma had a boarding house while Umi's parents were around and they didn't live there. And, but when, uh, the dad died and her mom went to America to study, they moved into the boarding house, um, that was already existing. And so they're there in addition to other boarders, I feel like. Well, but that was the yeah. great grandpa's house, wasn't it? It, it was their family house. Yeah, it yeah. was his also. Yeah. yeah. It it is yeah I feel like it is a little a little confusing but it, it's it, pretty it, confusing the the point you know the point more is that uh, there's I, I, in terms of this feminist discussion there's all these women there at the house plus just like her younger brother I think that's it um, yeah so uh, th- this is pretty striking I think um, in, yeah. in a sixties movie seeing um, all these like uh, different women um, a lot of well, them professional um, to, kind of like living together and seeing like these snippets of their lives. Actually, yeah, that's true. I was going to touch on how like most of the men would just be out working anyway, since it's right after the war and they're preparing for the Olympics. But they like all the women in the house yeah. do have their own jobs, so it does it is mm-hmm. good in that way. They're also working. Yeah, they, yeah. You, yeah. You have the the artist one. Um, you have the the, the woman who's the doctor. Um, and then you get uh stuff about her. Yeah, there's her grandma. The uh the the siblings, especially Sora, it would be the the younger sister is one of the more important characters of the movie. Um. Mm-hmm. She's I, technically the one who introduced everybody to the club. She needs more credit. Yeah, she's the one who got her to do the paper. She's the one that got her in the clubhouse. Umi yeah, didn't want to do either of those things by herself. Again, little sister lack of recognition. She, oh, I man, think she gets cool. a... Th- yes. Oh, by the way, the, the reason this movie is so great is because there's like three ships in the movie. Like there's not just the main <laughs> ship. There's three ships. There is this. Shudo and Sora, which is a little okay. So, Sora, yeah, little sis yeah. and Shiro, glasses years guy. Oh, three um, years. Okay, yeah, that's not too bad. Three or two. I mean, I she's like, uh, I mean, if it's like the J- J- Japan would be like tenth to twelfth, right, for high school. Is she, in, yeah. but she might be in middle school. I don't know. It's unclear. She's Hard the younger unclear. sister, and Umi is a second year, so she's a first year. And they only so. have three years so. in yeah. high school. Yeah, they do. Yeah, so it would be two or three. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that that's like presented as kind of like a background romance. As but first of all, like, uh, yeah, Sora's the one who's like into Shun, and she's like, I want to get his autograph, and then Umi like ends mm-hmm. up being with him. So it's like, okay. Uh, <laughs> what but, a twist. But uh, but but Sora gets to to be with Shiro, who's the true uh, best boy. Um, yeah. So right. he, he that, that that's good. Um, I mean, they're not you know like you just see them looking at each other in the background a lot, and they spend a lot of time. She with like each hugs other. him at the end when they're celebrating, keeping. Yeah, we don't house. know. Maybe they kiss off screen. 
Hopefully that's, not. That's a, that's a good ship. And then also uh, Philosophy Boy and... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, uh, the girl who knows how to put up pla- the, like, plast- Plaster's daughter, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was so funny. He's like, beautiful. Uh, I mean, the walls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she said, so excuse good. me. Yeah, she's like, excuse me. That's such that a is a really cute too. ship, I agree. Yeah. It's a really good ship. So it's all these, I love I love how the movie has these background ships. Um, by the way, about the 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 the, uh, the Latin quarters. The, 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 when we're introduced to it, you see like the radio kids. It's like uh, I am high school student from Japan. Everybody uh, left so hard. That's one of the best parts. <laughs> the, so is escape best? Es- yeah, escape. Yeah, they the, escaped. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, I was going to say when we were talking about the, the random guy at the end who tells them that related. This movie, I feel like, does so well with these just kind of like very tertiary characters. Just oh, yeah. uh, like uh, like the chairman. He's like super memorable the and chairman's fun. so great. Every time he's like, ah, oh, these kids are so smart. Like, oh, I wish I could escape school. Yeah. I feel you, kids. Like, wow. Like, he, he's like an everyman who became like a very important <laughs> council person somehow. But he still has that like young boy energy. It's yeah. great. And he has his laugh too. Like, uh, yeah, the chairman, chairman's like so fun. All the, yeah, like, uh, the, the guy at the end, like, there are like all these memorable back at the, at the Latin quarter, all these memorable kind of background characters or side characters. Um, that's definitely a, a really cool aspect of the film too. Um, the way the yeah. Latin qu- club is, Latin quarter, is it? <laughs> I already forgot. Yeah, Latin quarter in English. Yeah. The way that it's like presented is just, it seems like a really fun club. Like, yeah. the way they like, I know, Michelle, you were like, I'm a fan of high school shenanigans. Like, they, like, even fake singing when the teachers come to check on them. I'm like, wow, that's too real. Oh. Yeah, it's – the Latin Quarter stuff is really fun. I think that is – if you're going to talk about the quote-unquote plot, a lot of people will say this is the main plot of the movie is the uh, (laughs) – Oh, no, it's not. not. The main plot is the incest, obviously. Hey, hey, hey. I thought we were past that. Never pass that ever. You know, it, it's like both this romance story unfolding also in the context of their school lives, which is centered around them trying to preserve their Latin Quarter uh, club or Quartorie Latin. I don't know. Um, but uh, the yeah, it's it's the the design. But under underrated, we haven't talked about it yet. The animation. I say like I've literally said this every single Joker podcast, the past <laughs> ten podcasts. This movie is one of the most gorgeous movies I've ever seen. And like uh, it's always it always applies. Honestly, well, I mean, you know, that's the Ghibli uh, hallmark. I think, but uh, the yeah. the inside. I think one obvious all the sixties like backgrounds and landscapes and stuff, especially the the when uh where around where Shun lives, the docks at night, um, the uh yeah. in, in uh Yokohama and then also all the Tokyo backgrounds when they go there are just incredible. And and another in the other most noted is the the Latin Quarter, the design, the interior design of the Latin Quarter and the backgrounds of, of it is uh just stunning. Just one of the most stunning set pieces I've ever seen is the inside yeah. of the Latin Quarter. Why does uh, it look so different from everything else? Like they have this giant like concrete high school building and they have this like fancy like stained glass windowed yeah. old wooden like what was what would did that used to be the whole school? Like why is it so huge? What did it used to be used for? I don't know. I think it may maybe always was a club building, but it definitely does stand out. And I think maybe at least what the movie's presenting is this is more of a relic of the past, whereas they're moving towards yeah. more modern innovation. So this like has the uh, the uh, like the, the appeal of a uh, older building, I guess. Um, but yeah, it is it is weird. Like maybe the maybe the school used to look like this too, or maybe this is just this random side building that was just really designed <laughs> really fancy. I don't know. You bring up that relic of the past thing because I re- going oh, back to shipping. God. <laughs> Wait, what? That's not where I was going to go. No, it was cute because when Shun was like in the, I don't know, when they were giving the speech like about whether or not to tear it down and he was like, how could you like, 
like don't destroy things of the past that means like you're erasing our history and then like umi like took it as like oh screw my grandma what she says i'm gonna keep remembering my dad and like i don't know i kind of connected those two i don't know if anybody else did mm. not in that way i mean yeah. honestly when shun was doing that spiel i literally felt like it was hayo like <laughs> the yeah, screen at modern young Japanese children being like, kids today, you gotta respect the past. Yeah. You can't have a future without honoring your past, okay? That like I feel like accurate. it was a very blatant Hayo thing to do to write that speech, but I like that interpretation so much more, Allie. I want to <laughs> ask what was going on. That's how I, I felt like that's where her interest like really started. I mean, it obviously it started when he jumped off the roof because why not? But like that's when you see that she's like actually like, oh, this guy. Gets, yeah, she takes him more gets- seriously. I think, yeah, yeah. Seeing him, seeing all the debate stuff. Um, yeah, I do agree that the 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 whole theme of like preserving the past with the Latin Quarter is definitely the most Miyazakian element of the script. So, for the most part, it's pretty subdued. There's not a lot of environmentalism. There's not a lot of other Miyazaki type themes. But this is definitely where it comes out. And it's like all these these young kids like uh, their their life purpose is to preserve this this old building. Like, okay, sure. <laughs> all right, hi, in Miyazaki's right. world, yes. <laughs> I felt too like there was I forget what the dialogue was, but like maybe it was a song like when they're transitioning to Tokyo from their town, oh there, there was some line about that. how like I don't something to do with like nature or just like clean air or something. And then you like get to the Tokyo shot and it's like really polluted and sad and grimy because, you know, they're still recovering from a war. But like the visual like it's definitely different yeah. that to like the coastal beautiful lush town that they normally live in it's just like oh okay i feel like more words are being said by the miyazakis here right now too hmm, that's a good point tokyo does look very different i find it incredibly charming when we go to tokyo the, yeah the i think it's charming tokyo. too but it's but also it, like it's oh, a lot more it's a lot grayer been. and uh yeah it's just because we've been and we miss it it's, it's also disgusting because it's a city I don't remember it being that gray. Um, no, but, I mean, you know, Tokyo's clean. But back then... Yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, it's, it, it was, like, uh, shockingly, like, less developed, I think, than we've seen it in a lot of uh, these movies. Um, and Yokohama, too, which I think is a big, big, big city now. Um, like, yeah, uh, yeah, so, like, we, we see it kind of in this, like, less developed state. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it, the presentation of those is really interesting. It's a good point that the, the visuals also maybe tap, in, tap into the the Miyazaki sensibilities. Um, the, uh, I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to, speaking of the, the settings, I want to talk more about the context of when this movie's at and how it presents the time period. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think this is one of the more subtle question mark, depending on your perspective aspects of the movie. And it's, it's get, it has a lot of depth to it. So, um, have some quotes here from, uh, as usual, Colin O'Dell and Michelle LeBlanc in their book, Studio Ghibli, the films of Hayao Miyazaki and Isao Takada. Um, about the time period, they say, set in 1963 from up on Poppy Hill reflects the time that Hayao Miyazaki was growing up. Goro deliberately set out to make a period film, an idealized picture. It captures the spirit of the Japanese people who, having suffered greatly during and immediately after World War II, started the arduous task of rebuilding their country, a process that would eventually lead to Japan's economic miracle of the 1980s. We see the spirit reflected in Umi's can-do attitude uh, to everything she takes on. From Up on Papil also directly acknowledges World War II, but in a very different way than the horror of the post-Kobe bombings in Grave of the Fireflies or the creation of the fighter airplanes in The Wind Rises. It discusses the confusion of civilian lives turned upside down by the events by events beyond their control, how Umi and Shun's parents tried to do the right thing to help their friends. Um, 
this and this is one of my uh this is what I mean by maybe one of the more subtle aspects, one of my favorite aspects of the movie is Shun's uh family situation is reflective of the uh what normal Japanese people are going through after World War Two. Um, yeah. yeah, and, and how that just plays into the fact that, like, he, he needs to be adopted by these random people because, like, he has no one. Um, like, his, 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 uh, dad or uh, dies, is, uh, die, right, uh, dies or goes off or, yeah, in, in the, or Umi's dad. He gets bombed or something. Yeah. Well, Umi's dad dies in, in the Korean War, which is, you know, Japanese involvement in the Korean War, like, forced through the American, uh, like, uh, yeah, the, the controlling the country at that point. And then, um, the, uh, yeah, all of her, all of like this uh, subtly, I think implied all of the rest of his family kind of died in the nuclear bombings. Um, yeah. so like that's why, uh, like, and, and, and they, Umi's mom mentions that, uh, this happens a lot at this time is like there's people with just no families. So they just had to find people to adopt them to, to try to m- make as best the situation as possible. And I thought that was, uh, you see these flashbacks we talked about them when they're taking the picture this movie does do a lot of like actual flashbacks to um different their their parents and uh their their parents friends and how they're coping with uh, world war ii in the past so i think uh this backdrop to the movie is is really well integrated into the story and is a big part of the the drama that ensues um and uh i do think like maybe like grounds the 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 drama that we see apart from the the are we siblings kind of uh <laughs> panic um in in some pretty like heavy and interesting uh things maybe that's part of why it's so appealing is because it draws away from the gross stuff it balances it out pretty well i think yeah um, i mean i'm just a fan of like war drama pieces in general so i mean the way they handled this one was done really well yeah it's like both a very slice of life romance focused uh movie and also a uh in many ways, like a, a war, like effects of the war after on on the citizens, kind of like movie and like mm-hmm. a little bit like uh, Grave of the Fireflies, but to a much lesser extent. And it like balances all these through its it, it being set in the sixties and yeah. the time periods. And yeah, when um, the mom is explaining um, the situation to me, and she she does like start off by saying like, "Oh, it's really complicated," but here we go. <laughs> One thing that I appreciate is you, she's saying essentially like when they took Shun in, they tried to make it work. Like she was pregnant, she mm. was studying for her degree, but like you know, this kid needed someone, so they put him under their name. But then she also says that like it just it was not going to work out, mm-hmm. and basically they had to make a decision, and they decided to give him to another trusted friend because if they didn't do that she would have been too overwhelmed to finish school and i like that like subtle emphasis on just like her husband supported her and wanted her to like have a career in the 60s and like she she's been off this whole movie mostly like in america studying like she's still very academically focused and i don't think that's been portrayed as a bad thing at all like i thought maybe the mom was dead up until she came back honestly Mm. because umi just does not speak about her at all we we really get a lot yeah, well, more sense she, of her she also dreams about the father. dead dad and and her mom yeah so, so you like yeah. assume she's gone yeah. too but when she comes back it's just like i love that umi doesn't you know have this whole other thing going on where she's like mad her mom's not around because i feel like rightfully she she could have been but that you know like the fact that she went to study in america was like kind of considered a positive thing by both her husband and her daughter and it's just i really appreciated that 
Yeah, I, I agree. And and seen as a positive thing by everyone currently in the boarding house too, I think. Um and yeah, yeah. that's that is a really good aspect of it. That scene with uh, Umi and when her mom comes back and uh her mom explaining everything, then Umi crying um into her after the end. I think that's a wonderful scene. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean there's 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 like a lot of I think really memorable uh scenes that's like one of them we could we could go through more of them how about we we could we go through some of them in context of the soundtrack so i want to talk about yes what um one of my favorite scores this is the the scores by satoshi uh takebe um who uh i think like does pretty incredible job capturing the time period through the the type of music um being played there's the normal score which is wonderful then there's a few lyric songs um which are really, really incredible. They have uh, the, the score features vocals by Ao Tashima, who um, is uh, Teru in uh, in Earthsea. Um, and she also does a, a minor role in this movie. Um, I think she's really good. And uh, the then there's like the choir songs of um, all the students uh, singing together that are that's on the soundtrack. And then there's also like the... Uh, most notably for me, this this movie prominently features the song uh, Sukiyaki or uh, Ue Mite Aruko by Kyo Sakamoto, which is one of the most famous Japanese songs of all time. Um, yes. This song was number one in Japan in 1961 and even reached number one in the American Billboard Hot 100 in 1963. Is like a hit in America, too, in the 60s. Um, and this is what plays when they're riding to the market on uh shun's bike which is an incredible scene and then it does, does play again later i think when they're coming back from tokyo but um perfect for the like literally like right around this time um so perfect song for it and really fits i think the uh the like music vibe they're going for with the the whole score yeah that's yeah. i mean i'm glad you said it because that's basically my entire thought i just love that song so much yeah, it is really good, and it's so good in the movie. Um, yeah. And, and the, uh, like, I don't know if they, I guess it's, like, an accordion that they're using for the score. It's really, it's nice. I don't know what vibe it is, but I appreciate it. Yeah, kind of, it's kind of, like, a consistent uh, musical undertone. I don't have, like, the music credentials to analyze like that. But, yeah, there's, like, there's, like, different types of songs, more of the romantic songs, more of the sad past songs, and and there's kind of a consistent vibe through it all. Uh, here's what uh, Odell and LeBlanc had to say about the music. They say, music compositions are integral to the film with links to songs and tunes that represent the era of the film setting, as well as its storyline, some of which were lyricized or adapted by Goro himself. Uh, a number of group songs reflect community solidarity and make the film believable as something distinct in its portrayal of Japanese society, yet with sentiments that are universal. Um, and I, li- I like they're 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 talking about like the choir songs that uh, represent the solidarity of uh, of uh, the Japanese people at this time of trying to get through the war. Which I think that's an interesting reading of that. Um, but uh, yeah, that's a it's a really good. Uh, distinct development of the soundtrack as well. I want to go through some of my other favorites. The the first song of this is my favorite that what we open the movie <laughs> with. Sunrise the Breakfast Song. Yes. Um, <laughs> it, yeah, the lyrics are great. They're just talking about like making breakfast, yeah. Uh it's uh, what I I just I love how the we have the you you in all the Jewels you start with the Totoro blue screen. Um in this movie this the song starts playing as that's on the screen. It's like uh, yeah. it's just, that usually doesn't happen with these and that that like the 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 clicking in the beginning and it's it's incredible like jumping right into the movie. I I just I love the opening even maybe most of all with Umi um waking up and then uh and just making breakfast for everyone at the 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 boarding house. Um that 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 would be the one I've listened to the most from this. I think the Latin quarter theme is iconic from from the movie oh, yeah. a few times throughout. <laughs> 
Um, like there's like three different ones on the soundtrack, which basically are different iterations of that theme. I love um, the breakfast song, but the tune is almost the same as the little Butler song and I couldn't get it out of my head. Oh no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. It's almost identical. <laughs> Interesting. I didn't think of that, <laughs> so uh, bad, but I, it's great. I love, uh, the editing room in sunset, which is one of, uh, the Umi Shun romance songs, um, yes. towards the beginning when she, she, I think she visits for the first time and is where in the Latin corner is working there. I love that one. Uh, we talked about Sukiyaki. Um, this is a lyric one, First Love, um, when they're walking home together, I think after the debate. Um, it's uh, incredible. All the songs with lyrics, I think, really stand out, which would be that first one, this one. And then at the end, we have Summer of Farewells, which is when what plays like when they're on the boat and then at the end. Um, and really, uh, really incredible song as well. Um, so, th- I mean, those are just some of them. I have a bunch of other ones like... Uh, hearted on the the spotify soundtrack too i love what i love the when umi's confessing like with the trolley car which is incredible visual by the way the uh like there she says it as the the trolley comes and opens its door and the the light reflecting on them um but i also love the music behind that um love the music with the 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 party which is like when we invite the the boys over to the boarding house and uh we start to get into he shouldn't see the, the picture for the first time um i don't know i want to go over some more of these scenes too just in general like um i feel like i wrote more scenes down for this movie than i have for any other movies just because i love uh all of them so much i'm still surprised that this is higher than is this higher than whisper of the heart for you no no, i mean that's my favorite whisper is my favorite movie of all time it's like number three probably or number four yeah Yeah, we'll get into it in a minute in terms of like a quality but just personal favorite like it's one of my personal favorites you know yeah Um, yeah, the uh, yeah, the shoon jumping off the roof, I think, is such a good scene. That, that, that's, I think, can end up being the screenshot. There's so many screenshots I almost no. get for this. Use the mask one. Uh, <laughs> Ali wanted all the, the, the women uh, wearing masks. It's too to the... timely. You have I know, to. but I feel like the main characters have to be in the. the we the don't mislead. Mislead. <laughs> this is a movie about wearing masks, but no, I mean, there are a lot of masks. There's no incest involved, and it's. <laughs> What, what, which screenshot simplifies the incest that you experience <laughs> watching this movie? I'm on the bicycle. It's the incest version of Whisper again. <laughs> yeah, I mean that is the way with the Whisper move is them on the. It bicycle. really is. That, I think that's the uh, the the avatar for the on HBO Max the uh, for the movie is them on the bicycle. Just such an incredible shot, like one of the posters for the movie. Um, the uh yeah they're them riding to the market uh the whole debates uh scene i think is really fun and then they they sing uh to distract from what they're doing um yeah they, they have the, they have them walking home together they have the dinner uh yeah they're them cleaning up that that whole scene i think is 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 really fun um uh and, and also just the introductions of the latin quarter meeting everyone and seeing everyone for the first time um, especially like a uh, philosophy guy, I think is most memorable from that. Um, no, high school student from Japan is the high most school. <laughs> I mean, that is iconic. <laughs> how do you? I wonder how that is in the dub. You I know I wanted to watch it before this, but I didn't do you it. Have, you lose the English. That's the, I, the important. What part. if you just have terrible Spanish instead? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're pretending it's in America, though. <laughs> like, I know this is, this they is should. High this, it's whenever, like, anytime there's a dub and they're like. Or rather, anytime where there's a sub and they have to speak English, I'm like, how do they translate this ever? Yeah, yeah. A lot of times they just don't. But for that, you have to keep that joke in there. Let's let's talk about the dub. I guess I haven't. I feel I've seen the dub at some point, but I haven't seen it in a in a while. Um, We have Sarah Bolger as Umi. Um, 
I like her. Who who else? Oh, yeah, we Aubrey Plaza, Christina Hendricks as random people in the in the boarding house. Bruce Dern as the the guy at the end, uh, the the captain at the end. That's it. That's a big role for Jillian Anderson. Um, okay, some 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 big. Uh, I don't know any of these people except for Aubrey Plaza. Jillian Anderson. Yeah, Shun is Anton Yelchin. Yeah. Uh, Rest in peace. Yeah, the uh, uh, it's yeah. There's this. Uh, I don't. I don't think. I think I watched the dub maybe the the first time um, or something, but I haven't seen it. I, is, I think this is a sub movie. We talk about that's the cultural context movies, but yeah, I feel like this one is all about kind of the the Japanese culture going on. So it's a it's a good sub movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, well. Okay. What other scenes? I mean, the, the, them seeing the chairman in Tokyo. Um, I think that that's really good. Uh, I really like the breakfast scene just because anytime Ghibli does food, it's too good. They always make of, cooking look so amazing. And, I know. and then I never want to do it still. <laughs> there's a montage scene with, uh, where's a montage of, like paper headlines, which I think is really interesting. Um, oh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's also stuff with like Shun's dad. And, uh, you know, I feel like that's not as quite as engaging as the Umi parts, but it's also like uh, the movie does commit to kind of Shun's perspective on the drama, which I think is interesting. Oh, I like it. Cause like you see like her nice old like boarding house, and then you go to like him living in like a, a little apartment in the city and it's just like so visually different and his like family dynamic so different and it like it really like touched my heart when like he's trying to have a conversation with his dad about the photo and he's like we've gone over this like I am your dad and it's like oh you know that's true but also like he wants to figure out his you live with me now I'm your dad yeah and he does refer to him as his dad later mm. to Umi which like made me happy it's like yeah that is the man who raised you <laughs> So is that, yeah, and then the wink at the end, I think, is the most so uh, yeah, emotional like, part of it. Dad. Yeah. Okay, that's geez, all the confirmation dad. of so They don't have to kiss. When the dad winks, that's canon. <laughs> yeah, that's endgame. Dad winks, it's all off now. That's like uh, Benson with Troy's dad in yes! season two of Kipo. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly like that. It's the same thing. Um, okay, I wanted to, the last quote I had was, uh, I want to bring into like a, maybe a discussion of the overall quality, but I don't think there's, you know, we can talk about it too much, but just as a potential discussion point uh, Odell and LeBlanc say uh, from up on popular addresses incest war and grief they do but in an extremely engaging way even if the lead protagonists themselves note that it's like some cheap melodrama so I feel like your assessment of this movie is going to come down to how much you agree with uh, Umi and Shun that this movie is some cheap melodrama right like uh, that's kind of their situation and i think you could see this movie as melodramatic not cheap i mean it's a gorgeous movie but you could see this movie as kind of melodramatic maybe this the romance drama isn't your type of your cup of tea i think that's all valid um i i maybe more than any ghibli i struggle to rank this one quality wise because i I said last podcast that i think arietti is the best um non miyazaki non takata non whisper of the heart Ghibli film, which is not a lot of them, but uh, I think Arietti's great. But I like this movie more than Arietti. I just like I'm not sure how to evaluate it in terms of like quote unquote objective well, quality. There's there's a lot more going on in this movie that I think helps flesh it out in a way that Arietti just doesn't have. Like it's pretty as Arietti is. Like it's not. There's not a ton going on, frankly, which is fine. Like you don't you you can have like a simple story that's really effective, but I wouldn't say it's as effective in some ways as how well the side characters were fleshed out in this universe versus that one. There's just so much more going on here. Yeah, definitely um, a lot more complexity yeah. to the narrative and, and like, the characterization. Really yeah. and, 
I don't know if and, that well for dramas at least it's different if you have like I don't know maybe it's not if you have like real world aspects of it. Yeah, our main our main. I mean, we don't need to compare it too much to Ariety specifically, but it was the magicalness of Ariety was I, I feel like the closest to the Miyazaki Takata magic, and I do think this movie does uh, as as we had a quote before like captures. The, a lot of the Miyazaki engrossingness into a world, but in a realistic setting, which I think is really um, great in its own right. So I think this movie is just great in its is its own right. We're not necessarily compared to any other things. Yeah. Um, and I think it's pretty distinctive too among the Ghibli catalog. So uh, this is one that stands out to me, but I know a lot of people would um, not not uh, enjoy it as much. I mean, you know, it is it is a romance drama with the drama stemming from potential incest relationships. So I would understand if people are some people's not their thing, you know. Yeah. Um, and it is very different from a lot of the fantasy Ghibli movies, um, which uh, to me is is appealing. So I think I think Poppy Hill uh, stands out in in its own right. Um, were there any any major topics you guys were thinking of that we haven't talked about yet? How gorgeous the dads were. Because they were both wow, really attractive. Yeah, her dad is quite something. His even like, Shun's adoptive dad, figure. like yeah, all of the dads. You're right. Like it when she's like dreaming that he came back and he hugged her. I was like, whoa. Like I'm kind of feel weird that I'm like crushing a little on dead dad over here. But he's a very <laughs> handsome man. What a tradition, crushing on dead dad. But uh, I think that's that why they do it all the, the time in Japan, so you can crush on them and. <laughs> <laughs> Because they're dead, it's fine. What about, Michelle, what about Shiro? I think you seem to be oh, yeah. of Shiro. Best boy. Well, boy. Oh my god! Like there's such a trope in anime with like you have the main boy you're supposed to like, and then his like his smart, crafty best yeah, well, friend, Ocean, he, ocean Waves, he has his like best interest at heart. Yeah, no, I was kind of like shipping the two of them because it's like, yo, this guy is trying so hard to be his wingman, and he doesn't yeah. even realize it, but he's giving them everything. Yeah, he's being a good wingman. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, it's why would he do that if he didn't pay attention? to his friend a lot and really care about him but you know he's gonna have the sisters they can all be great friends <laughs> they're all family yeah together. they're all family now is was that she, incest? Uh, no. no i don't think no, no. was okay. she was she no <laughs> i understand why you would be scarred after this movie though and question everything <laughs> I, I, I understand uh why why uh, is was shiro being a good wingman or did he like uh sora and i wanted think it's to... Yeah, I, think it's yeah, probably I don't both. think he cared about Sora. He just wanted in the beginning, I think, no, his club but... and his best friend to be happy. Yeah, he cares. He's, yeah, he, does, he is the glasses best friend that cares a lot about the best friend and is advancing is the, so like... the story for him. He's he's re- he's really good. He's also like very assertive and kind, a little bit of an awkward way when he's like when they go to Japan and he's like trying to make it. The when appeal. they go to Japan, when they go to Tokyo, <laughs> and they. <laughs> When they go to Tokyo and he's like, uh, sh- he kind of like shouts to like, um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's appealing. Um, he's so smart though. Like he knows that they should bring Umi and Umi ends up being the one that the chairman guy connects with the most. So like that I was. I won't a- lie. I thought that was pretty creepy. Also when he yeah, like well, came to Bring the cute girl that the skeevy old guy can uh, would no, like the most. I, yeah. The skeevy old guy was what creepy. Because like when he came to the school too, he like patted her on the shoulder. He nodded at the other two. I, was I, like, think, I think there's like 10 to 20% that going like, on. Yeah. Hey, he, 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 like, he was like, hello, like gentleman. And he like, is like my main man, like patting her shoulder. <laughs> man who is a little girl and underage. Why did you have to touch her? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the scene when they go to visit uh, at least tries to show he's connecting with her about her. Yeah, her it's just it yeah. rubbed me in a wrong way. Uh, <laughs> I think fair. Also, it's the sixties, so it's the your prime. So oh. even even now, though, it would be the same thing. Yeah, um, sad. 
Yeah, I think yeah, she, Shiro, yeah, Shiro's fun. There could have been more Shiro at the end. I think there he should have been more Shiro. Bit. Period. He's When's, a good. Where's boy. the Where's the Poppy Hill sequel all about Shiro and Sora's epic romance? I like, don't just... really care about Sora, but I would love to see more. Oh, Sora's that's Sora's great. I, I love Sora, but Hi. she's annoying. I mean, yeah. that's the thing. I feel like we were judging Sora for like caring so much about her hair, but it's like, yo, she's like a little girl. Like, g- give her a break. Also, like, people are putting on. that pressure on her to find a man's when she's right? too young. Like, she sees her older sister getting that. I did want to say, like, I really like Umi, but I feel a little. Oh, yeah. How about I, Umi as a character? She's yeah. very idealized. She's like that combination of being like very domestic and very hardworking, but also like spunky and can kick your butt if she wanted to and like i get the appeal of that but i do feel a little bad because like for me one of the reasons like it really hit when she was crying when her mom came back was like well one her mom like gave her this long backstory to the stuff she'd been worried about but also it's like oh my god her mom's finally home she can stop having to be the mom cooking every freaking day and getting all the groceries because her her younger siblings will not help her and the mom can finally be the one cooking and she can just go back to being like a teenage girl again because she wasn't able to do that before and like that really that's a part of this that's kind of like i'm i'm very relieved the mom's there because like it really did seem like because umi was the oldest sibling she really had to be like the mom while the mom was gone and and then it's just like ooh I I'm glad that she doesn't have to do that for as long as the mom's going to be there. But like, that was one of the things that kind of concerned me a little. Cause like, I get it. Like she's so, she's so practical and she's so organized and she's so good at taking care of things, but also she's like, what, 14, 15, like she shouldn't need to have to do that. And it's not just because she's a girl. It's because she's the oldest. I think it's also because of the time that she's in. That's the thing. Like back, I mean, even now in Japan, a lot of girls are expected to do, the housework if the mom is working even if they're really young even if they're an only child well especially if they're an only child but like i don't know it's it's a cultural thing that's still uh, around like she, never, and I don't she never complains about it she just like she's yeah. always had this positive attitude is always like taking these grand strides to school and it's just so upbeat and just like looking I forward it was, like, kind and, like, of a way that, to distract really, herself from her dad it's just really idealized too that i feel like like, this isn't something I often say, but, like, this kind of girl character in the hands of, like, men writing her and directing it, it's just, it comes off a little, like, yeah. look, girls are allowed to be upset, though. And Ghibli's never really been known to shy away from, like, giving girl characters, their main characters, a range of emotions. But I feel like for Umi, I mean, the, osh- the most we really ever see is, like, her grieving over her dad, like, a little bit. And then mostly upset about the incest stuff. But she she never super struggles with taking care of her family in like a motherly role. And I feel like she, I mean, I just, I don't know. Like she's clearly supposed to be a role model for other people. And I just like, I don't know. It just, this felt a little weird in a way that like, I often don't feel weird about the way these kind of characters come off. Yeah. Yeah, I I think uh, fair for all of that. I think we read the quote before about how Umi's, you know, representative of the can-do attitude of Japanese people at this time period. So I think that's an aspect of what they're going for with her. I think a lot of what you're describing was supposed to be the plot of the movie and that uh, she's all this forced upon her. And yeah, you're right. Like, she, she, the movie doesn't display her faltering. It displays her being good at it. But, you know, it's it's like... Well, that's not entirely... Well, she, she doesn't, like, falter, but she does come home late and 
after like when she gets that's, that's true there's there's one or two I scenes thought. when she doesn't come yeah when she's starting to do the newspaper stuff i think com- compared this movie to whisper of the heart uh that movie is more focused on shizuku's characterization we see more of this type of thing with shizuku where she's struggling yeah. we see this more range of emotions i just think this movie uh doesn't is it's it, it would put more time into those scenes with umi but it ha- instead puts those it instead has flashback scenes instead has spend time with shun i think it's just more of a spread out kind of focus that's going on that leads to I, and overall like umi not being quite as good of a character as some of these other ones um but uh i mean uh the i i think in terms of the idealized what i would uh say makes her not idealized to me and this ties back into the documentary 10 years with hayao miyazaki that we referenced on the earthsea uh, pod where we see uh the this saga of uh miyazaki correcting like suggesting that goro redo all the storyboards about umi because she's not lively enough um and uh the producer Tak uh Toshio Suzuki does make him go through with that. So I, I yeah. feel like that's the mo- the biggest thing about Umi is she's not this Genki anime girl. Like she's pretty subdued and pretty uh down to earth and like pretty realistic, like a realistic dis- portrayal of like a young girl. Like I don't think she like I think she's much, much less quote unquote Genki or lively than um most other uh and definitely most other anime protagonists, but even other more uh Ghibli protagonists, I feel like she comes across to me a little bit like how Goro comes across in the documentary. He's a little bit like uh, more um, introspective or sullen at times, you know, like more of a feeling type. Like, uh, so like, I, I don't think she, the, the movie, I feel like to its credit does not make, feel the need to make Umi smile all the time. Like uh, that would be the distinct development to me mm-hmm. of, of Umi. Um, and I think it's interesting that we, we see in the documentary that this is the more lively version of Umi because I feel like she still doesn't come across super lively. So it's like, I feel like she must have been even more sullen beforehand, which, you know, fits with like, she's a grieving character who has to, has all this weight on her shoulders of running the, the boarding house and also ends up helping out with the, the, the paper and stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, and I think I think like that's what's distinct about Umi to me in terms of like her being a good character and then also the just this the process of seeing her fall in love amidst like everything she's like thrust upon her, I think is really, really great. Um in in, in the first half of the movie. Um so yeah, I do think for me Umi ends up being a successful character, but like definitely not uh super not one of the ones you probably list from best Ghibli protagonists. Mm. Um, it, yeah. Although Sh- Shun, I think, is maybe one of the better Ghibli uh, boy love interests yes. protagonists. Oh, he yes, is for yes, sure. yes. He's just very considerate and like not not standoffish. That's the wrong word. I I don't know. He's great. Yeah, I- <laughs> standoffish is the wrong word. But I like that he kind of like steps back and lets other people do what they need to do. Yeah, he doesn't feel the need to be in a spotlight constantly. And I feel like sometimes even his best friend, Shido, like it's more in charge of the mm. organizational side of all of this than he is. He has like the passion for wanting to save this place, but like Shido has like the actual plan. So they complement each other really well as friends. Yeah, Who maybe get... kiss sometimes. Mm. I hope. <laughs> No, they're they're uh, they're shipmates now. Uh, Umi and Shun. Yeah. <laughs> they're shipmates. They're roommate shipmates on those four yeah. person Oh my ships. god, they were you shipmates. Said it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Shiro, yeah, they can they can get Shiro. The, that, the comparison to ocean waves, you know, I do think uh, Shun and Shiro come across a little bit like the the ocean waves people. Uh, the the but uh, Shiro especially kind of as the the friend there was i gonna say was true yeah shun it's interesting because his introduction is pretty like show-offy like but it turns out he's just doing the stunt for a specific 
like pra- pra- practical reason, like for his principles. And so he comes, he ends up being more of a principled guy, not really show offy, even though he gains popularity in the beginning by being like the show offy figure. But it was all for, uh, for like a grander scheme that they're going. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think the shooting's fun. And I don't know, there's not a, too many other. We talked about a lot of the the fun side characters, I think too. I, I do think the the artist. There's a good scene with her and her painting, which ends up being the the end credits um, for the movie. Um, the artist staying at the uh, at the boarding house. So I think the, the the one of the more memorable characters living there. I do uh, underrated Shun moment. I think uh, when she almost runs into him on the bike when she has to buy the pork because no one will buy the pork for her, and he takes her down on the bicycle to get it, and he buys like a snack for himself and he offers her mm. like another one, which like kind of is like okay, this is reaching like sort of first date territory. But I love that it's like in that ambiguous space where it's like, is this a date? Do you like me? You bought me a thing. You brought me on your bicycle. I don't know, but it's nice. Hope I see you tomorrow. Like I love. How- fake it is because that feels very true to real life when you're that age trying to figure out what's going on with somebody else you know yeah yeah that's true i agree with that I, yeah that is kind of their first date is it's uh, one of my favorite scenes baseball. also just it's the a- animation of like anytime people are walking around in towns specifically for ghibli yeah. but also this movie just is so pretty yeah they were- all the market stuff like i loved it like i wish there were more markets like that <laughs> where no. i so I fun. That's that's that a very friendship. Japanese thing. Yeah, I miss Japan so much. Every time I watch these movies. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's we're we're just uh enabling the uh <laughs> the Japan loving with the, these these movies. It's fine. Are we getting any um I I guess uh the the next one the next one kind of yeah 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 kind of kind I don't know every movie has a food scene so that automatically makes me miss Japan. There's probably food scenes in Wind Rises. Okay, we'll see when we get to we get to that. They eat on a plane. That's what I'm guessing. They're not on, plane. They're not on planes the whole movie, Michelle. I think they're I rarely think on planes in that movie. movie. I think it's Porker. It is. The, I mean, there's a lot of plane. The plane movie. That's his whole filmography. Is the plane this was movie? The ship movie. There are not a lot of planes in this movie. This is this is the ship movie yeah. in more ways than one, and that is the. I mean, plane Ponyo's movie. also the ship movie. Let's be real. He also does. Yeah, that's true. He's on a ship kick because he, he. So is Laputa though, because they're on a ship kick. the whole time. Oh my god, get, that's true. Yeah, they're in flying sh- flying ships, but yeah, it's also it's, like a planes. boat ship in the sky. Yeah, I guess he does like ships too. Usually they come in the form of in the air, but yeah. sometimes they come they come in the form of on the sea. Yeah, listen, a plane is just a airship. Ship- that's definitely what Miyazaki believes that's (laughs) (laughs) oh no those are blimps I'm sorry (laughs) whatever there's also a lot of blimps you know see Kiki etc um and and uh whisper the heart um okay yeah the lot when's when's the car movie i guess that's uh castle oh. of Cagliostro. <laughs> no car movie it's coming they're going to make a movie about the guy who invented the automobile um yeah we'll see what his last movie about but yeah okay so that, yeah that is that is a wrap on goro's uh goro's filmography here but we do have goro's 3d movie first for ghibli and first ghibli movie in a while coming up in this december very exciting um michelle any final thoughts on poppy hill uh, I really like this movie. I feel like there are a lot of really subtle moments that help it feel like a stronger movie as a whole. And I, I love how slice of life it is. 
And I feel like like I'm probably gonna watch it more now that I know I like it as much as I do. It's just it's it been like literally ten years, but I have more context now, and it's worth watching. Like, don't let all the incest talk. Sti- like, it's not even really incest. <laughs> if you've made like, it this far really and you're not scared off by the incest talk. It. It's a great time. You'll have a lot of fun. This is the most I've enjoyed, like, boy nonsense also. Like, so many random, like, high school boy characters that I just find so endearing in a way that just, like, this movie managed to capture really well. Like, they're all just good boys who are a little clumsy and very dirty, but it's fine. They're going to clean it up. Like, they got good hearts. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do have good hearts. Yeah, I no, I am glad. Yeah, glad you'll think of watching it. This for me, this is the one of the most rewatchable uh, Ghibli movies. I don't know for yeah. some reason. This like, I've, I've definitely watched this one a bunch. But it's just easy to put it on and like get engrossed into yeah. this. Uh, in this spite 60s of like the, Japan, the sad background, else. it is a pretty feel good movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, got a got a happy ending. Here. Yeah, and uh, me- melancholy, but in kind of like a pleasant way, I guess is is maybe yeah. how he approaches it. Um, Ali, how about you? Final thoughts? Well, I like the take uh, that Michelle just gave about there being a lot of endearing char- like little boy characters, especially in anime for me. Um, and it's part of why I was shocked at how I enjoyed this movie so much because there's too much like shonen nonsense for me in anime. Yes, and I typically girl. don't go for... I mean, you know I watch Slice of Life. It's not my favorite after I've gotten older, but... It also just, to me, it felt like, you know, there's no plot. But with a movie, as opposed to a series for me, I enjoy it a lot more because it's more concise. And this was, it's in my, like, top, I don't know, but one of, maybe top ten. It's its just very enjoyable, and I could put it on repeat all the time. Um, yeah, it's pretty great. I, I typically don't go for, like, the Miyazaki, or rather Ghibli movies that aren't fantastical. But this one is, like, it doesn't have to be to be good. Nice. Nice. That made me think of something like when you're saying that like normally you don't like go for slice of life because like it like be- when it's a movie like it's a lot shorter so it's not as much as and like there's a less slog. stupid will they won't they nonsense yeah I think also part of what's nice about this is like the stakes are way higher than like I feel like in a lot of slice of life and I do like it on occasion it's like oh like who's gonna run for student council <laughs> who's gonna beat who in a tennis match it's like very low stakes it's but... like, pretty high stakes drama compared to that like we got all the war stuff we got secret histories of people's genealogy going on and then you have the relatable high school thing of like oh we gotta save this building everyone loves gotta hide our plan from the principal or whatever (laughs) so i like that there's like high and like low stakes at the same time and i feel like that helps the movie feel a lot more engaging than it might have just been if there was no historical backdrop, frankly. I feel like that's one of the best decisions Koro made because it adds so much flavor to what otherwise just like high school-esque movie. That's why there was no beach episode in this movie. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. Sad. It always needs to be a beach episode. There was a shipped off moment instead of a beach moment. They're it's on a fine. Ship. They yeah. walk was... on the boardwalk. It's fine. It's close to the water. Yeah, it, the movie the movie is from a manga, which does have the '60s setting. But you know, they specifically choose to adapt uh, adapt this and and put. I think feel like Goro's one of his most distinctive directorial decisions to put so much weight into the the time period and the oh, setting, yeah. mm. art, artistic weight into it. Um, and uh, the manga based on it is a shoujo manga. I would describe this as a shoujo film. Uh, oh, totally. Know, so, yeah, so, yeah, I yeah, would too. Pretty, pretty, uh, probably. Yeah, pretty no, it is the romance it's drama for the yeah. benefit of this movie that it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I feel like there's something else I was going to respond to you guys were talking about, but I don't remember. So uh, that, that's good. I'm glad we hit on a lot of points about 
what makes Poppy Hill really appealing. Um, always liked uh, watching, talking about this movie. Listen, gets this has got me back on listening to the soundtrack. So here we go. I mean, this and Arietti back and back to back is like the two. Arietti um, was the one I listened to all through college. Yes. Just that soundtrack was so good to study to. Yeah, it's incredible. Those are yeah, these. Are, I mean, I like the one the... coming up next. Also, that's like in my top something. Wind Rises. Okay. I, yeah, I've I don't think I've heard Wind Rises too much. So I'll make I sure haven't to listen heard Wind Rises at all. It's pretty. I no. mean, it's pretty simple. But I like simplicity. I mean, all the you know, all all of his uh, are are incredible. So I'm not surprised. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So this this was this was a fun one too with the soundtracks to to try to keep listening to here and uh, had fun with this discussion on Poppy Hill. Let us know what you thought of this movie. Anywhere you're listening, leave a comment and uh, find all of our contact stuff at overlyanimated.com. Our Patreon is patreon.com/slash overlyanimated. Thanks to our current patrons. Special our patron of the podcast, Alex, and thanks as always to our patron executive producers, Ryan, Steve, Alex, Beatrice, Hugh, Michael, Needle, and Phonician. Uh, would Alex like this movie? I don't know. I think uh, so. I think, I think he's going to like it, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's good. It seems like his type of like feel-good nonsense. <laughs> I hope he watches it before he listens to this so he can be surprised about the incest, because that's going to be really funny. <laughs> that's, yeah, well, I that's want him to live-tweet yeah. it when he realizes what's Where, happening. Where's so. all the React YouTube videos to this movie? Yeah. <laughs> Oh honestly God, though it's imagine? a good it's, it's probably the best uh it is oh my God. the most like, the most surprising plot element other than the other Jibble one that movie. we haven't talked about yet oh my God uh, that's true the last one uh, has another big twist oh uh, with some the potential evolution. incest going on so we'll get to if you enjoyed our discussion on the incest for this movie just stay tuned for our when Marnie was there podcast um that's kind of a spoiler but it's, <laughs> I hope you probably you probably watched it already um I hope so uh it's not you even if you even if you haven't even you even if you haven't you would have no idea what we mean going he's still like it doesn't make sense so it's fine okay so yeah we got uh wind rises uh kaguya when marnie was there um i mean the next two definitely different from marnie so we'll but we'll have fun with marnie at the end but excited oh. to get into wind rises our last miyazaki one for this rewatch fun is a strong and, word to use for that movie. So I have fun with it. So I have love, love Marnie. I do too. Um, yeah. I think Marnie's in line with our Poppy Hill Arietti type movies. Yeah, definitely. And we're going to take a break from that to have two very serious late, like in career epic films. So, uh, oh, I didn't yeah. know when Rises was like very serious. I, I get like all I know yeah. about it is like it's about some guy with glasses who goes on planes yeah. in it's, World it's, War it's, II. It's, like, it's definitely very serious. Plane. It's oh just the glasses, guys. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, just go go and expecting him to be on a plane the entire movie. I think that, that's. I thought that, was it. I thought that was his job. And there's some lady he likes who's like drawing, I guess, but she's on the ground and he's in the air. So I don't know if that's gonna work oh, yeah. out. Yeah, he he never touches the ground, so that's a big struggle. You know, that's a that's a big. They're torn apart by that. The fish, he can't, they love the lady, he right? can't land for one. It's a big that's problem. A big... <laughs> okay, yeah, there'll be a lot to be surprised about then with uh, Wind Rises. And then Kayak, very Kagi. I'm super looking forward to watching Kagi again. So good. Um, okay, that's it for Poppy Hill. Thanks for listening, guys. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.